0: We're going to be continuing our out of the ordinary series and uh, when I was planning the talk I did think about doing something like out of the ordinary I did think about what can I do that is out of the ordinary and then this week I logged on to Facebook um, give me a little cheer if you're on Facebook um, I logged on to see something well out of the ordinary, something that I would never have expected to see in all my life. I logged onto Facebook and I saw some of the pictures from the South Africa team and then I flicked onto one that was a picture of our senior pastor Leon Evans holding a hammer. Now if that is not out of the ordinary, I don't know what is. And then last night I sit down uh, to watch a little football match and the out of the ordinary happened and Aston Villa won a football match. And well done to Aston Villa, you deserved it. And I used to live in Manchester. I lived in Manchester for about four years. And Liverpool, when I was in Manchester, would always lose to the Manchester teams. And now I've moved to Hales-Owen, we always seem to have bad results against West Brom and Aston Villa. I'm thinking about moving to somewhere where there's no good football teams, probably somewhere like Wolverhampton. (laughs) Um, This morning we are going to be opening the Bible, we're going to be looking at a story uh, called Esther uh, and it's from the book of Esther and Esther as a book is out of the ordinary because it is the only book in the Bible that doesn't mention God and it's an incredible story and if you've not heard it, um, we're not going to read the whole uh, book of Esther because that would take us an hour and I've only got uh, another hour and a half to go, Um, that's a joke by the way. Um, So what I thought I'd do is I'd show you a little video that explains the story of Esther in three minutes and ten seconds, so have a look at the screens.
1: Now it's time for a Bible story. There once lived a young girl named Esther. She lived with her adopted father Mordecai in the city of Susa, and they were secretly Jews. Now at that time, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Persian king Xerxes, who, as it happened, needed a new wife. King Xerxes brought together all the most beautiful girls of the land so they could pick a new wife. And one of these beautiful girls was Esther. These girls went through days and days of beauty treatments, and in time, Esther became favoured by everyone, and she was selected to be queen. Mordecai, Esther's father, would walk around the palace gates hoping to hear from Esther. And on one day, he overheard a plot by two of the king's guards it. to kill King you Xerxes. Now you do it. Mordecai told Esther what he had heard, and Esther told the king, who dealt with the problem. Even though Mordecai saved the king's life, he never received an award, and the king never knew what he did. And then Mordecai found himself in trouble when a man named Haman rose to power. Haman was second in command to Xerxes and would command all people to bow down to him. But Mordecai wouldn't, as he would only bow down to God. Haman was furious and began plans to kill Mordecai and all the Jews. (laughs) Haman created a law that all Jews must be killed, even the women and the children. So Mordecai went to Esther and begged her to speak to the king. But she was afraid, for if she visited the king without an invitation, she would be killed. But Esther responded to Mordecai asking everyone to pray for her and decided she would approach the king even if it meant death. Esther went to Xerxes and because he loved her, he asked what it is that she wanted to ask him. She said, if it pleases you, my lord, you and Haman are invited to a dinner I have prepared. Time came for the meal, and at the end of the meal, the king asked Esther again what she wanted. She replied, come with Haman tomorrow to another banquet. Then I will answer your question about what I want. That night, the king couldn't sleep and decided to look through his book of records. He then discovered that it was Mordecai that had saved his life and decided to do something great for him. Haman arrived and the king asked him, what would be a way of celebrating such a great man? Now, Haman thought the king was talking about himself and suggested that a robe and a horse be provided for this great man to ride on. Perfect, said the king, and commanded Haman to arrange those things for Mordecai. Haman wasn't pleased. The next day came and it was time for Esther's second dinner feast. And at the end of the meal, King Xerxes yet again asked Esther what it was she wanted. She responded, if it pleases you, let me live. This is what I ask, and let my people live too, for Haman wishes to kill me and all other Jews. The king was furious and had Haman taken away, removing all his possessions and giving them to Mordecai, giving him the position of second in command. Ooh, aha. The king wrote a new law for God's people, and Esther and Mordecai lived their life serving the
0: king. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. I love that video, it makes me laugh, especially the uh, Donkey um <laughs> This morning, uh, we're going to look at three uh, central characters uh, to the story. Uh, I'm going to look at Mordecai, uh, then Tom is going to come and look at Esther, and then I'm going to come back and look at King Xerxes. Um, And we're going to start by looking at Mordecai. Mordecai was already an out-of-the-ordinary person. Um, What he did was out-of-the-ordinary. You see, he took on Esther, who was his cousin, and looked after her. You know, something had happened to Esther's mum and dad, and it meant that Mordecai took her on as his own and looked after her. And the role that uh, Mordecai plays in Esther's life is he calls her out of the ordinary. That moment where um, they're faced with with the Jews being killed and Mordecai comes to Esther and he says, you have been called for a time as this. Maybe you have been put as queen for this moment. You are not an ordinary queen. You are called to be an out of the ordinary queen. Mordecai plays that role of calling Esther out of the ordinary. Um, Over here we have got our uh, little office set up. This is here to represent a your ordinary everyday life. A lot of people work at offices, I'm aware that not everybody works in offices, but this is, I suppose, to represent the ordinary everyday life. And a lot of this is actually my desk, uh, which means I've got a great excuse not to be doing any work this week. Um, Not that I needed another excuse. Um, But this is my chair, I love it, it's really comfortable. Um, It's my laptop, you can see some of my uh, files, which isn't many. Um, But one of the things that uh, often happens in our church office is we have uh, minor disagreements about the temperature of the room. Um, I'm a person that loves hot weather. I absolutely love it when the sun comes out. When the sun's out, my top goes off and I'm there and I'm sunbathing. Um, Don't picture that, you'll be sick. Um, But I love going to hot countries. But what I can't stand is false heat. I hate it when it's too stuffy. I hate it when it's like... The radiators are on high, and I feel like I can't breathe. it. I really feel like I can't work. So, often during the winter, I'm there and I'm opening the windows and letting all the heat go out, and everyone's going mad. And often, Leon has accused me of being menopausal, um, <laughs> which I think between the two of us, he's closer to that than I am. <laughs> I can say that because he's not here. But when. When I think about temperature, there's two key things. Uh, there's something called a thermometer, and a thermometer registers the temperature in the room. There's uh, alcohol or mercury inside a thermometer, and that expands to tell you the temperature of the room. And a thermometer responds and reacts and changes to the temperature in the room. And then often there's a thing on the wall called a thermostat, and a thermostat sets the temperature of the room. If I'm too hot, I go to the thermostat and turn it down to about 18 degrees Celsius. You see, a, a thermostat sets the temperature, but a thermometer responds and reacts to the temperature. And you see, Mordecai behaves like a thermostat. As a Christian, I believe I'm called to behave like a thermostat. I'm called to go and affect the temperature and affect the environment that I'm in. I'm not called to be a thermometer. I, Mordecai wasn't called and Esther wasn't called to be a thermometer to go and just respond to the situation and the environment that she found herself in she wasn't called to be a thermometer and just behave like everybody else they were called to be thermostats and if you're a Christian this morning you are called to be a thermostat to go and affect the temperature and the environment that you are in to go and be out of the ordinary. And that is a a little illustration that I've used quite a lot with our young people. And um, loads of our young people are a little bit out of the ordinary and they won't mind me saying that. Um, But one young person in particular I would really describe uh, as out of the ordinary and her name is Flo. Some of you might know uh, Flo Austin. Uh, She's been a member of this church for many, many years and she is certainly out of the ordinary. Um, She dresses in a style that's called hipster um, and one of the phrases if you are a hipster young person is that is way too mainstream. Um, Like Hipsters don't like to dress like everybody else is dressing. They like to dress a little bit different and that is how Flo dresses in fact today she's here wearing one of her dad's shirts and that is fashionable so dads if your daughter asks to borrow one of your shirts you know she's a hipster and uh, Flo is not just an out of the ordinary person because of the way that she dresses but of the out of uh, she's an out of the ordinary person because of the way that she lives her life You see, two years ago, we went to a festival uh, called Soul Survivor, and it's a a festival for young people that happens in Somerset uh, every summer, and we took our young people two years ago to that, and we've taken them every year since. And on the first night, Flo uh, was with us for the first time, and on the first night, they did a kind of gospel presentation, and they gave the young people the opportunity to respond and give their lives to Jesus. And Flo jumped to, her seat, uh, jumped to her feet and ran to the front. And we were delighted, we were made up. Flo was making a decision to follow Jesus for the rest of her life. And do you know what, it didn't stay, stay there. She came home and she decided to live a life that was out of the ordinary. So much so that about six months ago, possibly even longer than that, she invited a whole load of her friends to come to our life group on Wednesdays and come to church on Sundays. And this summer, two of her best friends, Katie and Livy, came to Soul Survivor with us. And on the first night at Soul Survivor, they gave another gospel presentation and gave an opportunity for young people to give their lives to Jesus. And what a privilege it was for Flo to stand up with two of her best friends as they gave their lives to Jesus. That is the mark of an out-of-the-ordinary person. See, Flo knows that she is called to be out-of-the-ordinary, but she knows she's got to go and call others out-of-the-ordinary. She doesn't, didn't just sit comfortably. She went and behaved like Mordecai and said to her friends at school, come and be a part of something that is out-of-the-ordinary. And the reason that Flo could do that is that she was surrounded by people that were Mordecais to her. She's surrounded by people that call her out of the ordinary. We've got a fantastic youth team in this church that call our young people to live lives that are out of the ordinary. But not only that, we've got some phenomenal young people in this room and in this church and a part of this church and a part of our youth group and our youth life groups. And they call each other out of the ordinary. You see, we are all, if you're a Christian, you are called to be like Mordecai and call others out of the ordinary. And for me, I want people in my life that are going to call me out of the ordinary. I want to be surrounded by people that say to me, Andy, you're not supposed to be ordinary. Um, and I'm not just talking about uh, like Christian mentors. I'm talking about people that call us and, and uh, inspire us to be thermostats. One of those people is a guy called Bob Geldof. He has led the charge since the 1980s to eradicate global poverty. Did you know? that in 1980, 52% of the world lived in extreme poverty. That's defined as people that live below $1.25 a day. So 52%, over half of the world, lived in extreme poverty. Today, in 2014, 25% of the world live in extreme poverty. In under 35 years, we As a a human race, I've managed to over half the amount of people that are living in extreme poverty. I think that's an incredible achievement in the space of one generation. Um, If you are aged 43 or younger, could you stand to your feet for me, please? So if you're 43 or younger... There's a lot of people delighted to be standing up here. If you are stood to your feet and you're age 43 or younger, did you know that the average life expectancy of someone in the UK is 78? That's 35 years from 43. Did you know it is realistic that you, while you are still alive, can see an end to extreme poverty in the world? That is exciting. If it doesn't get you excited and doesn't get you determined, you need to check your pulse. (laughs) You can sit down for me. It is realistic that in the next 35 years, we can see an end to extreme poverty in our world. It's fantastic that the team went out to South Africa, and they've gone, and they can feel themselves being called out of the ordinary by what they've experienced. And you know, if you didn't get to stand up, I'm not ruling you out as well. (laughs) You know, um, if you... uh, My... uh, my wife's grandma lived to the ripe old age of 105. She had a great innings. Um, on her 102nd birthday, we went to see her, and uh, she took great joy in telling us about the Bible study group that she'd set up to tell her friends in the nursing home about Jesus at the age of 102. You are, I don't think there's anybody over 100. You cannot rule yourself out. My prayer for you is that your best years are ahead of you the best is yet to come and you can play a phenomenal role in being a Mordecai to other people and for me that is what being a Mordecai is all about calling other people out of the ordinary saying you were meant for so much more than this you are not called to be ordinary you are called to be out of the ordinary and that's why we at this church believe it's so important to be part of a life group. It really, really is. For flow, it's really important. And for for everybody, it's really important. You see, when you're in your ordinary, when you're in your everyday, when you're sat at your desk or you're in the classroom or wherever you are, wherever you spend your ordinary everyday life, you can hear the voices of the Mordecais in your life group saying, you were called to be in this office for this time. You are called to be out of the ordinary. You see, Being a part of a life group is a little bit out of the ordinary because there's a lot of strange people in this church. But the thing is, is it reminds you that you are called to be out of the ordinary. When you're in your ordinary every day, you've got people who are Mordecai saying, you are called to be more than just ordinary. I'm going to hand over uh, to Tom, who's going to help us uh, explore Esther. Over to you, Tom.
2: So I'm going to be talking about Esther for the next 10 minutes or so. Um, so I'm just going to set the scene by reading from Esther 412 to 15. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the, for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, here in this passage, Esther finds herself in a situation where people's lives depend on, decisions, on her decisions. And she's in an out-of-the-ordinary situation. Now, in modern-day times, that can be put into two different types of contexts. That can be a really positive thing, but that can be a really bad thing. You can be on top of the world, or you can be rock bottom. Um, and in the Bible, there's, there's so many people that are in these types, types of situations. You've got people all over the place like Esther. You've got people like Noah. Moses, Abraham, and Peter. Now there's an incredibly famous story in the Bible uh, where Jesus walks on water. But what sometimes people forget is that Peter walked on the water too. Um, so we're just going to read from Matthew 14:26 to 29 to figure out what, what happened and then we'll uncover that from there. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, Peter had been called to do something difficult, something scary. Peter had like, just been called to do something that was technically impossible to humans. Um, but Peter was obedient. Peter just walked. He got out and did it. Despite the technicalities of things... Peter did what was considered impossible. He went beyond logic. Now, one thing that frustrates me, like from a common atheist argument, is that they try and tell you to define God logically. They try and put God in the logical environment, but for God to be God, he can't be logical. Because if you're trying to say that God's if you're trying to tell me to define God by logic, then you're telling me to say there's no God. Because God is beyond logic. God does not abide by the rules that logic sets, because he has no He has no boundaries, there's no limits to what he can do. Now, in society, we we all kind of tend to think the same. We kind of follow the same trends, follow the same patterns, and we do the same things. And in the Bible, it tells us that your thinking ultimately determines the person that you become. Um, So basically, that means that we're all trying to become the same person, and God hasn't called us to do that. God has called us to be our own person, because the reason we are here is very specific, to us, to each and every one of you, you have a specific purpose on this planet. You might not understand why you're in the place that you're in. You might understand why you're in the job that you're in, why you're at college, why you're failing in exams, or why you're not getting past these job interviews, all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean God can't use you through that. You know, if you're a Christian, then you might find that God calls you to do something pretty big, pretty scary, just like Peter, just like Esther. Um, and you might, your natural reaction might be that, It's only me, let's be realistic. God isn't realistic. God's never realistic. God's calling you to do stuff and change the way this planet thinks. Like Andy was saying, we can see an end to global poverty. And I believe that we can see that in in this generation. I believe we can see so much more than that as well. End to child slavery, sex trafficking, all that kind of stuff. All this rubbish stuff that's going on in this world today. I I reckon we can see an end to it if we just catch on to this thing that God's been trying to tell to us. And yet, in reality, these things are probably beyond us. They're probably beyond us as humans, but you're forgetting that we follow a God that's beyond reality. I'm just going to go into a bit about me now to tell you about how I stepped out of the boat um, and how God showed up in that. Um, so about a year ago, I was at Soul Survivor, and uh, a lot of things happened at Soul Survivor, um, And I felt God put my heart on secular music, the secular music industry, because the message that's been put out by it at the moment isn't exactly positive. Um, So I said to the guys back at home, I've been in a band for a while, I said to them, let's take this seriously, let's try and get this out there, and God just exploded. I was obedient, I was like Peter, I stepped out of the boat and he exploded, within three months we played the O2 Academy, within six we played it again and sold it out. Within eight, we got two tracks on BBC Playlists. And then within 12, we sold out an O2 Academy 2. Um, and you might think, oh, that's great for you. but What's that got to do with God? And what's that got to do with what your purpose is? And you see, as I stepped out of the boat, metaphorically, um, God just formed a path underneath me, just like he did for Peter, just like he did for Esther. Because I started to meet with people that they were going through some pretty tough stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the stuff they were going through is pretty rough. But they took real strong comfort in me, in me saying to them that, do you know what, I don't know what you believe, but I'm a Christian and I'm praying for you. And they start to uncover this hope that they've never seen before. You know, they've never actually recognised this before. And they start to, start to uncover what it is to know God, what it is to, to be able to pray and all that kind of stuff. And they start to grow and learn. And that's one of the most beautiful things about being a Christian. That you never, ever stop growing. You never, ever stop learning. Because there's always more that God can do. You know, if you take a step out of your comfort zone, you're in a place you haven't found yourself before, you're in an out-of-the-ordinary situation. But God just turns up. He's like, Oh, you're here now. Let me show you this. And there's just another step closer to Him. And just as I close, I just want to kind of summarize this thing that all these guys in the Bible have caught onto. They caught onto this one thing where it changed the way they think, and it can change the way this planet thinks. It can get rid of all this stuff that we're seeing in Iraq and Syria. It can get rid of it all. And that's if you walk by faith and not by sight, then God will provide. God will provide through everything, no matter what the situation is, good or bad. You know, we're called out of the ordinary to be different. And we're called to not think like everyone else. We're called to be us. We're called to fulfill our purpose and change the way people think and call others out of the ordinary so that they get to know God too. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand back over to Andy. Father God, Father God, I thank you that we can be the light in, in this world, that the situations we see, we can have an effect on, Lord God. And I thank you that as we're obedient, Lord, you get to, we get to know more about you, this unconditional love that you send out to us, Lord, that we are so undeserving of, we get to experience more of it, Lord. And I just pray that as we start to, stay, to take a step out of the boat, Lord God, that you remind us that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. We, we, we have no limits because we follow you, Lord God. Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Great job, Tom. That's fantastic, isn't it? What an out-of-the-ordinary young person you are, Tom. Like, Not many 17-year-olds are up preaching in their church this morning, and I'm really proud of Tom. You did a great job there. And we're going to finish off uh, by looking at King Xerxes. And um, King Xerxes has already proven that he's got quite a bit of a temper. You see, his previous queen um, refused to come to a party and he got rid of her, he banished her from the kingdom and that's how Esther becomes queen. So we already know that King Xerxes has got a little bit of a temper. And then it wasn't normal for somebody to come before the, uh, the king without being requested to by the king. It wasn't normal for someone to just come up and knock on his door and say, can I have a word please? Like. If you went before the king and he didn't want you there, sometimes you would be killed. So Esther is putting her life at risk. And this is like a huge moment. It's like Hollywood cliffhanger moments. And what happens is, is that king's Xerxes is faced with an out-of-the-ordinary situation. He's faced with, with something that, that people wouldn't normally do. And he has got a choice in how he responds. He can either hear her out or he can get rid of her. And what King Xerxes does is he holds out the gold scepter, which was a sign of saying, I want to hear what you've got to say. And you know, that moment transforms King Xerxes' life. He had no idea what Esther was coming to say or what she was coming to ask, but that moment of him hearing Esther out transformed his life. Speaking of things that transform your lives, about four and a half years ago uh, I got married and uh, one of the best things about being married is you get to go on honeymoon and we decided that our honeymoon was going to be an out of the ordinary holiday, we didn't want to just go on a normal holiday, so we chose to go to somewhere called the Maldives. The Maldives is a collection of islands in the Indian Ocean, there you go, you didn't think you were getting tickets to the gun show this morning, (laughs) but there they are on show. It was absolutely incredible. It was like being in a screensaver. It was just so nice. Like the sand was perfectly white. The sea was turquoise for the first week. We had a little bungalow uh, on the beach. You would literally, at the bottom of the bed, there was doors. You would open them, and you're literally on the beach. The second week, uh, we stayed in a water bungalow, which was a little hut on stilts in water. Um, it was just incredible. The food was outrageously nice. Like, it was just the best holiday ever. And that holiday has ruined my life. It is... <laughs> Honestly it has absolutely destroyed me. Like, wherever I go in the world and whatever I see in front of me, I go, oh, that's lovely. It's not as nice as the Maldives, though. <laughs> I have a meal and I go, oh, that fish is gorgeous. It's not as good as Maldivian fish, though. Like, everywhere I go and everything I face, wherever I go in the world, it will never be as good as the Maldives. And you know what? Since meeting Jesus, my life has been ruined. Knowing Jesus has absolutely destroyed my life. It has ruined it because I know that nothing can ever compare to knowing Jesus. Do you know what I find so outrageous is the, the bunch of guys that have gone to South Africa for the last two weeks, they go with a heart to go and give out. They go with a heart to go and save and reach people and they come back totally transformed themselves. That's how good God is. You go and you say, God, I want to save you and God goes, here you go, let me bless you. It is absolutely incredible. I cannot tell you how much God has transformed my life. But I know that I could never live my life without Jesus. Because not living my life with Jesus would be terrible. And there's a guy in the Bible called Paul who kind of agrees with me. Paul um, wrote most of the New Testament, uh, and he says this in Philippians 3, verse 8. Uh, it's from the Message Version, which is kind of uh, a more modern version. And it says this the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes. All the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, first hand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. (laughs) Dog-dung. I love that empathy. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog-dung. Let me tell you this morning, God is not an ordinary God. God is extraordinary. God is so gracious. God is so loving. God is so compassionate. God is so forgiving. God is merciful. God is not an ordinary God. And you know, that moment when King Xerxes puts out the gold scepter, he hears out Esther's request. And I wonder this morning, if you are faced with an out of the ordinary situation, it might be that this is your first time in church and you think, who is this weird scouse bloke going on? It might be that you've been coming to church for a little, bit, little while, but you feel like it, this morning is a little bit out of the ordinary. Perhaps while I've been talking, your heart's been beating, you can feel that God is speaking to you. I wonder this morning, could you hold out the gold scepter and give God a shot? King Xerxes held out the gold scepter and heard Esther out and he transformed his life. One of the ways that you could hold out the gold scepter is you could sign up for Alpha. You know, Alpha could transform your life. The worst that could happen is you lose a few Monday nights and you get fed really well. The best that could happen is that God could ruin your life forever in a great way, not a bad way. So could you hold out the gold scepter this morning and say, I'm going to give God a shot It might be that you've been thinking about this for a long time and you think, do you know what? It's time I gave my life to Jesus. It's time that I made that decision and became a Christian. Perhaps this morning, that could be you holding out the gold scepter. And we're going to respond in a moment. But part of being out of the ordinary is about getting up. You see, this is my office chair and I love it because it's really comfortable. And it would have been easy for Esther to stay comfortable It would have been easy for Mordecai to stay comfortable. It would have been easy uh, for Flo to stay comfortable. And it would have been easy for Tom, like Tom could have slept in this morning and turned up at 11.15 rather than getting here at eight o'clock with me this morning. It would have been much more comfortable for him. It would have been much more comfortable for Peter to stay in the boat. It would have been way more comfortable for King Xerxes to stay in his throne. But what every one of them did is they stepped up out of the ordinary and that involved an action. And this morning... Being out of the ordinary, stepping up out of the ordinary, involves, react, uh, involves an action. So I'm going to invite the band up. And uh, in a moment, we're going to sing a song together called Oceans. And uh, this song is written with the story of Peter getting out of the boat in mind. And the word say, you know, you call me out upon the waters. Like, it, it is representative of being called out of the boat, stepping out into the unknown, being called out of the ordinary. And I want to invite you to respond in uh, three different ways. The first way is you might feel like you're in an ordinary situation, is that you feel like your workplace or your ordinary, your school school or your college place, wherever you are, you might feel like, do you know what? I've been ordinary, I've been a thermometer, but I feel like, I, I see that God is calling me to be a thermostat. God is calling me out of the ordinary this morning. If that's you, that when we when we start singing, I want to invite you to come to the front, and we'd love to play. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. The second thing is, it you might be Mordecai. You might be thinking, do you know what? I want to call the ordinary out. I want to call people out of the ordinary. I want to be a person that doesn't settle for seeing those around me being ordinary, but I want to call them out of the ordinary. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you as well. Please do come forward. And the final one is King Xerxes it might be this morning that you want to offer God the gold scepter and say God I want to hear you out I want to give you a shot perhaps this morning you want to give your life to Jesus and say I've seen my friends around me make decisions I've seen the the difference it's it's made to people that I know and it's time that I gave you my life Jesus and if that's you we'd love you to come forward we're not going to do anything weird we're not going to do anything too out of the ordinary We just want to stick an arm around you and pray for you into your situation. So if you'd uh, like to stand with me, I'm gonna pray. And then as soon as we start singing, please do make your way to the front. Father God, I thank you that you are not an ordinary God. God, I thank you for this story of Esther and how Esther lived an out of the ordinary life. And God, I pray that as you call us up out of the ordinary, whatever that means, I pray that we would know that you go with us. God, you're an awesome God. And we just thank you so much for meeting with us this morning and speaking to us. God, and I pray as as we respond, God, as we eh, drag ourselves up out of the ordinary, Lord, I pray that something significant would happen here this morning. God, I pray that this moment right here would be a moment in history that we look back and we say nothing was ever the same again. Please do respond as we begin to sing.